Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, the award-winning Great Indoors is proud to come to the fabulous Las Vegas Convention Center, MWC 2022. Baby, let's make it amazing. Thank you once again, Frank. Yep, this is season five of TGI, and we're still here in Las Vegas as the GSMA's official podcast. I've been amazed by the multitude of guests from across the industry that we have spoken to, and I'm also joined by my producer and co-pilot, Larissa Yee. Now, this is the third episode of the incredible conversations that we captured at North America's biggest telecoms and technology show, MWC Las Vegas 2022. And here I was really honored to be joined in this episode by three guests from two incredible industry leaders. We have Dan Tigerson and Emil Litka from the current, well, the current leader in 5G rollout in the United States, the uncarrier, of course, T-Mobile. And I was also joined by the world's leading cloud provider, AWS, and their CTO of Edge and Telecom division, Dr. Ishwar Harulka. Now, we will be discussing what happens as these two technologies, 5G and cloud, combine to really start to realize the dreams of the future. So buckle up and let's get started. Okay, so our next guest on the Great Indoors today uh, here at Mobile World Congress 2022 in fabulous Las Vegas. I'm, I'm really honored and excited uh, to welcome two gentlemen I, I had the pleasure of meeting in Copenhagen uh, last week, and that is Dan Tigerson. He's the SVP of Wholesale and Platform Operations at T-Mobile, which includes MVNO, IoT, and B2B2X. Welcome, Dan. Thank you very much, Matt. And Emil Litke, who's the Senior Director of Operations at T-Mobile also. So thank you very much, guys, for joining The Great Indoors. Thank you for having us. I yeah, appreciate it. For our, our listeners, uh, if you will, uh, Dan, give a bit of an overview of your division and what you're responsible for. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. So wholesale at, at T-Mobile uh, really includes MBNO, uh, most of the IoT business that's running on the on the T-Mobile network today, as well as all of our partner relationships, B2B to X really is the, the best way to describe it. We tend to run a, a line of business that focuses on the non-T-Mobile branded products and services. So it's brands and services that are recognized in the marketplace related to someone else's name besides T-Mobile, which is a huge, huge you know, part of, um, of the wireless industry. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's across uh, well, several different kinds of products and services. So again, MVNO is generally consumer-centric. Uh, IoT is both consumer and industrial. And then the B2B2X allows us to really uh, work on relationships and partnerships with solution providers that have pieces to put together, one of which would be connectivity as part of taking products and services to the to the market as the okay. owner of those products and services. So. Okay, great, great. Now, so far at the show, obviously 5G's been big. We know 5G's big for T-Mobile and, and, and you're leading very much in the, in the race to 5G. IoT has been a huge hot topic the last couple of days. I've met a lot of people talking about IoT. But so far, in the two days you've been here, uh, and I'll pose the same question to both of you. What's been the thing that you've seen that's enlightened you the most, should we say? You know, I think for for me, the 
the difference between, you know, even a couple of years ago, pre-pandemic and now, a lot of the conversations are very similar, but the industry has evolved. The time, it's all about timing, mm-hmm. whether, whether you're talking about devices, whether you're talking about specific use cases or channels. Um, you know, we, we have the pleasure and uh, the opportunity to work with some really smart people across the industry. And the ideas, the concepts were there, but just maybe the timing wasn't there. And now with things like 5G, which enables uh, and open, quite frankly, opens up a lot of things that maybe just weren't ready, maybe a little bit ahead of its time. Mm-hmm. Now is the time to act. And so now we're, the conversations that we're having are uh, getting beyond the art of possible, maybe, and, and actually really getting into execution phase. And that, uh, you know, from the operational side really excites me because now it's, you know, it's, uh, you know, shovels in dirt, it, it's execution. And, and we start yeah. to actually realize the benefits, whether that's efficiency gains or revenue generation. And it's, it's happening in really kind of every phase of the customer journey. Yeah. I think the, the speculation and the hypothesizing is dying down and the reality is coming in. That's what I'm yes, saying exactly. at, at this event so far. So what about you, Dan? I, I think it's very similar. You know, the, there's so much talk and so much attention around just really 5G as the service connectivity layer that's going to enable all of these things that IoT is actually starting to catch up to now, right? Yes. Yeah. Um, and now that this especially I hear it from the people that we're meeting and people we're talking to, it's really recognized that T-Mobile specifically has this very strong and durable sort of lead in 5G deployment, 5G quality of service, 5G coverage. Uh, And now there's just so many people that are in a position to think about their business propositions differently because of that sort of lead and durability in the deployment of the 5G as a service. That enables people to, to bring products to market a little bit quicker, but I'm also just hearing people are thinking differently. um, And I I think that's going to lead to um, a lot of innovation in the near future. There's going to be a lot of things that people are going to design and want to bring to market that are based on this really unique and strong and durable 5G core that they didn't have an opportunity to think about in the past because that that service method wasn't really there yet, right? Yeah. And and to add to that, I think it's like I said, there was a lot of prophesizing. This is what we could do. This right. is what it could potentially exactly. enable. Now it's there. Now it's yep. built. Absolutely. Let's get on it, right? That's right. And it's like that old, uh, if you build it, they will come. And uh, they've arrived. That's right. We're there. Yeah. <laughs> so the one feel I get, the one sense I get right now versus previous iterations of the 4G rollout, the 3G rollout, etc is the importance of collaboration and ecosystems. This isn't something that can be done unilaterally by any service provider or any tech company. Are you getting a feel for that? And have you, who have you really, this week or even before when, when we were in Copenhagen last week, where have you seen some real great collaborative efforts in this reality coming through? There's a lot there. There's a lot to unpack there. Yeah. I think um, from the technical relationship perspective, Again, these emerging technologies and how we bring those services to market has enabled a really interesting and refresh on collaboration between um, between T-Mobile and, and companies like Amdocs or companies mm-hmm. like Netcracker or the vendors that provide underlying platform capabilities and services to us that allow us to bring these value propositions to the market for our solution providers and our wholesalers and our MBNOs and our IOTs. Um, I think that's been a that's been a key key piece that that I think has been super important. I also think just, um, you know, when we think about removing obstacles, removing pain points, we're in a much better place now than we were even when we started our own carrier journey, you know, years ago. 
And one of the things that we're thinking about is how do we make a transition from somebody who has an idea into a full scalable commercial deployment really simple, really easy, or as easy as possible. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, we have a program now called DevEdge, which is really designed to get people to the network in a very simple uh, and low barrier to entry model with a, with a module and a SIM card and a plan that lets them use as they develop and service their product. The second part of that is um, really developing a, a scalability model that says once you're there and once you've figured out as a developer what you want to do and how you want to do it, we're trying to make it just screamingly simple yeah, yeah. To, to replicate to replicate and grow. You know, We think those are the two kind of bookends, like how do you get there? Mm -hmm. And then once you're there and you like it, how do you grow? And yeah. so um, the DevEdge program really is designed around getting people there. And then how we formulate these business relationships and these strategic partnerships together is how we really drive that scalability piece and make it really easy to get from, I have an idea, my idea works, now how do I take it to market? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I, mean, I love the phrase, when, especially when I think about IoT or MDM, you know, that the, the whole is greater than the sum of the parts. And, and that really uh, applies in these types of scenarios because, you know, uh, solution means a lot of things to a lot of different people, but, you know, in, in its most core fundamental elements, you, you need a device, you need some sort of a network, you need some sort of an application. And it's very rare, at least as of right now, that one person really can take care of all of those different things. And so exactly, yeah. um, in order to reach the gains or the, again, the efficiencies or, or, or whatever we're trying to do, you've got to collaborate. And, and one of the things that I think, you know, T-Mobile is always known for, you know, whether it's being the uncarrier or being a disruptor, really what um, we are settling or finding ourselves in a position to do is enable that disruption and, and, and accelerate that disruption, whether it be purely by access to, to this amazing 5G network where we have and will continue to, to really lead there. Yeah. But also, again, right, that ecosystem, that that that, that full breadth of, of players that, that are just, you know, angling to do something good, uh, but may not have all the pieces to the puzzle. So it's really ex exciting to see when those pieces come together yeah. and, and to be a part of that and help enable that. No, it's, re it's really interesting. And today alone, that there's been so much focus and I've had so many people we've been speaking about IoT, but of course there's many different aspects of IoT. There's many yeah. different verticals, there's many different use cases. So far today we've talked about connected health, we've talked about connected cows in Australia. That's right. That was yeah. really, really, really interesting. Uh, Rick from, from ESAT, we talked about ambient IoT and the postage stamp uh, tags that can go on. Out of all those different things, out of all those the, those different areas, which one do you think is most imminent from a sort of inflection point that's really going to set the market alight? Is there one? And it's, I don't think it's a, a right or wrong question. It, yeah. it could yeah. be which one excites you the most. I, I feel really conflicted in that because, I mean, you know, depending on you know what website or Instagram feed or whatever, there's a lot of really cool stuff out there, right? And, yeah. and you know, whether that's... You know, so I can figure out how many stops my dog's taking or how fast my kid is driving yeah. in his car. Um, the, the, the things that feel most imminent in terms of like truly changing how things work is, is industrial, right? I mean, whether that be oil and gas or um, reverse logistics and, and, and distribution channels and things like that, that is where you're going to drive efficiencies. I mean, I, I still recall, you know, something as basic as literally pretty much a phone taped to a to a post out in the middle of nowhere to take a picture on every so often of a gas meter that saved the company from having to put someone in a truck and drive, you know, 45 minutes. That 
I mean, as basic as, as that is, that was efficiencies gained. Yeah. And, and to do that in a much more mature, scalable way is only going to make those things, you know, that much better. And so that's where I think, you know, the unfortunate thing is I think to the most people, you're probably not going to see that day to day. Um, but, you know, I mean, it's just, it's such a stark difference between industrial and home automation or, you know, a, a robot yeah. Yeah. lawnmower, you know, what, whatever. Whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think I think this graduation from what we used to call M to M into this sort of phenomenon that the phenomenon that's called IoT now is is also super interesting, and it it does tie back to the technologies that are the underlying service uh, that enable these features and functions. You know, it was M to M in the past because it was a two G or a three G technology, and now as we progress and graduate into four G and five G, and you see the complexity of these solutions, uh, sort of keep keep task with that. Um, it's really, really interesting. Now, there's a lot of things I think we're on the cusp of learning about as innovation really goes back to, like, now that you've got this service layer that's called the network, what can I do with it? I think we're about to see a, a pretty significant, like, uptick yeah. in, in really innovative ideas. And I agree that the industrial application from every vertical that's part of that related to IoT, you're just going to see this massive, massive opportunity to operationalize savings and also bring you know new services to market that obviously are, are driving growth and, and revenue attribution and, mm -hmm. and those traditional things. But but I I wouldn't want to leave out the fact that there's this thing out there. I'm gonna I'm a bit of a crypto fan, so I want to tie this into it. Blockchain, the metaverse, Web 3.0, those are all big big concepts, and they all are going to change how people interact with everything, with other people, with machines. Yeah. Um, and I think there's a huge opportunity as people start to get more comfortable with what those things are. Like how does crypto play into the, the way the world works? Mm -hmm. What does the metaverse, metaverse really do for people? And what is Web 3.0? As, as people get more comfortable with those as concepts and as, um, as defined operational models, you're gonna see 5G and the network services tie into every single one of those things because um, they're going to change how people live their lives. And the one thing that is consistent across all of those unique things, whether it's crypto or blockchain or Web3 or the metaverse, is they need connectivity. They need that layer that brings it together. Yeah. And so um, I see a huge, huge opportunity in innovation around those concepts and those constructs that uh, it just doesn't exist yet, right? Yeah. It's super, super early, or it's starting to exist. It's really starting to kind of flesh itself out. But over the next few years, I think you're going to see a massive endeavor of people focusing on those things, um, and it's going to be really interesting. Now here's another thing that I've picked up this week, um, and it actually wasn't this week, probably starting post-pandemic, if, if COVID really is in our rearview mirror now. In the industry as a whole, and at T-Mobile, there's an emphasis on tech for good, right? So we always used to focus on functions, features, dollars, and cents. But I think now, the, the, and I get, I get this from a lot of people, there's a drive to, what is the tech we're doing how is that bettering society? Mm -hmm. well, how is it f helping fix some of the other problems that humanity is facing right now? I think there's this almost altruistic notion as an industry. Do you get a sense for that? 100%, right? Yeah. And I mean, you know, I mean, look at some of the things that T-Mobile is already doing 
on the early cusp, right? I mean, when you think about education, right, and the homework gap and the amazing yeah. job our, our T-Mobile for Business and, and, and government yeah. has done in that space, really trying to, I mean, and, and going through the struggles of just the last two years, I mean, you, I mean, you talk about, you know, an amazing timing of being able to be there and help these school districts and help these kids yeah. uh, at a time when they found themselves you know, without that kind of connectivity, without that kind of focus at a, at a significant disadvantage. And to see that happen, you know, not just generically, but in, in my community and in the school districts that, yeah, yeah. you know, my own kids are there. Um, it's phenomenal to see that. I mean, you're also seeing it from a, you know, a telehealth perspective. Um, again, right, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll keep uh, hyping up our TFB group, uh, the things that they've done with the VA and, and the stuff that yeah. it's, it's just, one, it's cool, but it's awesome to see that, like you said, do, utilizing that technology to to advance things and to do things in, in a in a great fashion. Yeah, I, I agree. I think um, go back a few weeks when we all spent some time at Mobile Future Forward as well, and yeah, we yeah. and we saw some really interesting um, telehealth examples. I think the the opportunity for that vertical, the health vertical, is just going to explode. Uh, and it, again, it comes back to having the sort of the technologies that enable the innovation to to yeah. happen. And I think we're there. Um, the other part, really, that you see it even in town here is um, autonomous vehicles yeah, 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 uh, yeah, and yeah, how yeah. talk about doing using network services and building value propositions for um, for good, yeah. for the better of humanity, for the better of the the environment. Like I couldn't think of a, of a more interesting one that's obvious right in front of us is autonomous vehicles yeah, yeah, and yeah. so much design and intent around the industry of, of automation with cars and fleets and buses and um, whether it's um, technology around you know lithium batteries or you know something that we do as a as an uncarrier to enable those things to happen, um, those seem to be having a significant impact. I mean, you just look yeah. at the number of people that are driving electric cars or yeah, yeah. or spending time thinking about value propositions related to moving things from one place to another, yeah. whether it's a car or a bus or a, or a train. Um, there's just so much there. Yeah. No, and it reminded me, I met Gillian from Dell yesterday who heads up their thought leadership and her story is fascinating. She had a, a horrendous car accident many years ago and she's championing, uh, championing autonomous cars now because obviously the, the error rate of a machine versus a human is much less and she sees it as an imperative to society. Right. We think autonomous cars are cool because, well, they're autonomous. Yeah, that's right, right yeah. <laughs> but that, that extra layer that she added onto it. And another thing I'll, I'll, I'll add to your, your point before, Emil, I met Dr. Kasia King yesterday. She's a credit to T-Mobile. What a personality. What a fantastic uh, initiative she's doing uh, for you guys. It was really groundbreaking. And on top of that, I'm, I'm another one of your partners, Halo, right. I'm meeting this afternoon. Oh, excellent. So we're going to do some filming and I will be getting in an autonomous vehicle excellent. for the first time. Oh, good. Yeah. yeah. Well, I'll have a few drinks before. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's anyway, awesome. Anyway, so look, we're almost out of time. What we're going to finish with now is the TGI to go round that I spoke about before. So if you're ready, we'll do TGI to go. TGI right. to go. Here Let's we go. go. TGI to go. First question Sinatra or Dean Martin? I gotta go with Blue Eyes. I'm there as well. Yeah. Yep. And he'll be here at three o'clock. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that's amazing technology. The, the, the real Frogstar. This is what technology can do. Yeah, that's course. right. That's fantastic. Yeah. Uh, second question, uh, Dan. We'll, I'll, I'll do this one to you first. Blackjack or roulette? Ooh, I'm gonna go with the uh, blackjack. Okay. 
Okay. Have you done much blackjack so far? Well, a little bit. <laughs> you know, if anything, just to, to change it up, I'll go roulette because when a table, I mean, I, I've, when you see a table and people are screaming and yelling and hugging each other that just met, and yeah. that's a that's a pretty uh, unreal uh, experience to be in. Okay, great. Now we're in Las Vegas, but which one do you prefer, New York or Los Angeles? Well, wow, tough call. <laughs> tough, tough call. Well, actually, what I should say, let's make it more contemporary: Copenhagen or Seattle? Yeah, mm. weather's about the same. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's a tough one for me as well. I'm, I'm. Uh, I'm of Danish ancestry, so uh, and it was my first time just recently to go there. So it was an amazing experience. But I am also a, I'm a I'm a hometown guy. So for me, um, you know, I've lived all over the world, traveled extensively yes. throughout Asia and Europe. But I always find that my heart and the place I'm the most comfortable actually is is right back home in Seattle. Okay, right. Yeah. We'll stick with New York and yeah. LA. You know, I mean, uh, by default, I'm going to have to go to New York. I'm a, I'm a huge Mets fan. And, you know, <laughs> okay, you we've go. got, uh, I think, it's six or seven games left to go, and the Mets are up uh, one game left. And it's I'm, I'm really hoping for an amazing playoff season. So right. let's go, Mets. Okay, there yeah. we go. It's so tough. You're, you're asking us that people who live on the West Coast to make a call between the West Coast <laughs> and the East Coast. <laughs> Who's going to meet us after this, as soon as we leave this room? The Venetian or the Cosmopolitan? Man, you know it's funny. It's funny because we spent we have spent a lot of time in the Venetian over the years for Mobile World or uh, for CES and, and other events here. You know, Secret Pizza, Cosmopolitan, late at night. Uh, if you don't know, got to go figure that place out. Yeah. Co Cosmo is pretty amazing. Yeah, I, I think um, we've we've been at the at the Venetian and the Palazzo for years, and I have really fond memories of staying there. Just that stretch of restaurants in between. We had dinner at yep. Delmonico's last yep. night oh, at yeah, the kitchen yeah, table, really, yeah, yeah, and it was just an amazing experience. Yeah. And um, but the chandelier bar at the Cosmos got an interesting drink called the Verbena that you have to I make sure that you try. It's not on the menu. Larissa's a big fan of this drink. She's yeah. talking about it a lot. Yeah, Kelly knows yeah. what I'm yeah. talking about. You have to take the Halo yep. car. Yeah. So yeah, I, yeah, I tell yeah. you, it's, you know, like like many other things in life, it's really hard to necessarily pick. Uh, the left or the right, the black yeah, or the white, yeah, yeah. and um, there's a lot of great things in in every example that yeah, you've, you've exactly. forced us yeah. to try to pick exactly. a side to. Well, let's see if you can pick one on this one. All right, this is this is thrown a few people singing or dancing. Well, I can do neither of those well, <laughs> uh, but have been known to do both from time to time. Yeah, I think I would go with the singing, uh, and then depending on the mood and the audience, I might throw a little dancing yeah, in with the it. The amount of those cosmopolitan cocktails. That's right. That's right. That's right. That's right. <laughs> well, listen, guys, that finishes our TGI to go round. I've really enjoyed you, uh, your company, and, and the conversation we've had here. Thank you for taking time out of your busy schedule uh, to visit us on the great indoors. And do you have any final closing? Uh, statements or comments you'd like to make just for our for our listeners just to conclude well let me let me say thank you uh, we appreciate the opportunity to come in and and spend some time together as you think about what T-Mobile whether it's the wholesale organization or the T-Mobile for business organization or the network story or any of the things that the Uncarrier brings to market as you think about how those uh, might impact your life really think about um, you know, how, how we can um, work together to bring those things to life. 
um, it's, it's a little bit different when you think about it probably from a consumer perspective, but um, the, a lot of the people that are here are thinking about it from an industrial or for an entrepreneur perspective. And, and, you know, we are here, we're open for business. We're here to collaborate. We're really here to help people define what those solutions are, if that's what's, what's needed. And of course, to bring those things to market together. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the big thing for us, that the message I'm trying to leave with everybody here is um, bring us into the conversation. Let us offer whatever we have that you might deem uh, useful or needed. And um, let's find a way to collaborate and do something together. Brilliant. Yeah. Emil? You know, I mean, the only only thing I would add to that, that that makes what Dan said really come to life is is the people that we have the opportunity to work with day in, day out. I mean, that that includes, you know, you know, our stakeholders as well as you know people from outside of T Mobile. But I just I, I think about like the team I'm responsible for and, and and just absolute rock stars that are so customer experience obsessed, whether it's manual work or it's pure automation or whatever else. Um, we have this amazing team that for years has just uh, continued to overperform and, and, and to continue to give them the tools and the network to, to enhance that yeah. uh, is, is the thing that gets me so excited to, yeah. to see them continue to kind of drive the industry. Brilliant. No, thanks again, gentlemen. And, and where to next? Because I just recounted, we're following each other all around the world. We are, aren't we? The last three, of, That's three right. or four weeks. Yeah. So where, where to next? Back to Seattle for a few weeks or are you still... Uh... We'll go back to Seattle for a couple of weeks and then, you know, for us, it's the big final push through the end of the year to make sure that we close out the year where we need to be and then build that momentum going into Q1. So we've got, we've got time sort of allocated between now and the end of the year for New York, for Miami, right. for San Francisco. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll be at the MBNO show, MBNO Nation Live show in Valencia, Spain in November. Nice. Um, and then, of course, we'll all be back uh, in in Las Vegas in January for CES, yes, so uh, yeah. it's going to be a busy, busy fourth quarter. Which, uh, if things go as well as we hope, it's going to create the momentum to keep us just as busy in Q1. For us, you know, it's really the, the focus on growth. We want we want to grow the partners that we have. We want to grow new partners. We want to continue to grow the products and services that we make available. And so we're just you know maniacally focused on that over the course of the next few months, and uh, it's super excited about it. Brilliant. Thank you both again, gentlemen. It's been great. Thank you so much. Joining us from AWS is Dr. Ishwa Parulka, who's the CTO of Edge and Telecom. Welcome to The Great Indoors, Ishwa. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. Yeah, it's great to have you here. And like I said, we've had a long week, uh, but I'm really looking forward to this uh, this conversation. Give us uh, just a quick overview of your role and your background and, and how you came to be at AWS. Yeah, so I am uh, currently the chief technologist for Edge and Telecom at AWS. Uh, it's a vertical that we've created to focus on the telecom industry because we see the value the cloud can bring in transforming telecoms to become digital service providers from you know simple connectivity providers. I've had a long career in technology. I've been at AWS for six years. Prior to this, I was at Cisco for about uh, 10 years as the chief architect for their service provider business unit. So I built mm-hmm. a lot of the 4G networks across the world with the products that I was developing there. Wow. And during 2015, 16, I started looking at 5G, edge computing, Function, network function virtualization, software-defined networking, these new technologies. 
And I was convinced that cloud could fundamentally change this, which is what brought me to AWS in 2016. Right. So I started that journey there, convincing AWS and the cloud that this was a, a huge opportunity, talking to telcos about what, tel, you know, what the cloud could do, build the technology uh, that was required and reach the level of maturity that we have right now. But that's yeah. kind of been my journey from the telco world to cloud to really you know, start transforming this. Yeah. And prior to that, I was at uh, Sun Microsystems, Apple, so done a bunch of, uh, you know, kind of interesting different things wow. <laughs> in Excellent. the Silicon Valley. No, so. wow, sounds amazing, sounds awesome. And just from a personal perspective, a lot has happened in the last 12 months. Yeah. I, I certainly feel like a tremendous amount has happened in the last 12 months. For you personally, what's the biggest innovation that has made a profound impact on, on your life or, or what you see around you? Yeah. So uh, technology continues to amaze me. Even as a child, I was fascinated by it, which is what got me into this, uh, you know, uh, space from yeah. a very young age, right? So, if you were to ask me about the last twelve months, uh, it's definitely video conferencing, or you know, video. Oh, yeah, video. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. it's been there for a while, but it's taken a, a leap in terms of uh, quality and features and just the usage patterns, right? So, the work environment has changed, but interestingly, I've connected with friends from high school and we have happy hours uh, virtually on yeah, yeah, on, yeah, on video yeah. conferencing yeah, yeah, yeah. and we used to know each other and be connected but it's it's uh, the last year the pandemic and the fact that video conferencing is now just an integral part of our lives that has made this happen no absolutely uh, I, I i've got my own example exactly what you yeah. said there i hadn't spoken to some university friends for over 20 yeah, years yeah. But because of the per pervasiveness of video conferencing, we yeah. now have monthly check-ins <laughs> on same, VC, yeah, exactly. right? Yeah. And everybody gets together, so yeah. it is and, it is cool. And it's the same with the family. You know, I have a you know global family. I have cousins across the world. We you know we rarely get a chance to meet together yeah. at any any time. Yeah. And again, we have these regular video conferences with like 30, 40 people. You know, uh, of you know cousins and uncles and aunts who are spread across the world. You know, mm -hmm. so. It's just become a part of life now, and it's fantastic to be connected you know, yeah. in that way. Absolutely, absolutely great. Now, AWS is a key partner of ours. Uh, what is your strategy now moving forward over the next 12 months? So, you know, like we said right at the beginning, a lot has happened since COVID, but what's, what's your vision moving forward now in, uh, in your particular domain? Yeah, so uh, I think uh, the cloud is uh, going to be a fundamentally key element of building telecommunication networks and all kinds of telecommunication networks. And we've been on this journey for the last four or five years building the assets. Yeah. But what I'm seeing now is a level of maturity in the technology uh, of the cloud. The cloud was not ready for some of the telecommunication workloads. And we have made it get to that level so that we can run network functions at the scale, reliability, performance that's required yeah. to really host networks, right? So we've done that journey. So we are mature in terms of the technology. And we're seeing telcos getting comfortable with the idea and starting to play or adopt it in actual networks. Yes. Uh, so we have early adopters, we have some large telecom providers starting to look at it seriously. Uh, and we saw that in the original cloud journey when we started in 2007 and 8, there was skepticism in the beginning, there were questions about security, about the willingness to have somebody else manage your infrastructure. Uh, we were seeing the same questions, but we are getting past that now. Yes. So the next 12 months to two, three years, I see as really a more adoption and acceleration of cloud uh, for building definitely 5G networks, the core OSS, BSS, uh, mm -hmm. some of those systems are now 
folks are very comfortable, you know, seeing those run in the public cloud. Yeah. But then we'll see other network workloads also start moving over, like, yeah. uh, you know, routers and the RAN stack, parts of the RAN stack and so forth. Absolutely. So I see that uh, continuing, but I, I see this as an inflection point this year and the next year where we'll see a, a kind of a rapid adoption of, yeah. uh, of these uh, technologies. No, and I think the cynicism is dissipating from the service providers. Absolutely, right? absolutely. They see the value in it, yeah. they see implementations, mm -hmm. and now they're getting on board. So like yeah. you said, it's full steam ahead, right, yeah, as far absolutely. as you're concerned. Yeah, so it was building proof points, uh, as well as really getting uh, maturity in the technology as well, right? I mean, yes. that's how these new yeah. disruptions happen, is you have to build it, you have to put it out there, try, learn from it. And we have had that learnings incorporated to really get to this level of maturity. Absolutely. And and how has 5G propelled your strategy or your thinking? And, and actually, not just 5G, the technologies that, that coalesce around 5G, yeah. whether it's edge, the move to private enterprise networks, how, how has that helped shape and, and sculpt your strategy moving forward? So the 5G or the underpinnings of how 5G has been specced and being designed, has been pretty fundamental to the adoption of cloud. So virtualized networks were around for a few years and I was, as I was saying earlier, I was uh, in my earlier role, I was at Cisco building these networks when the technology transition started happening. And it was the nature of these technologies that made me move to AWS to really drive adoption of cloud because they inherently uh, make cloud as a natural uh, way to build this. And what do I mean by that? So if you look at 5G core, uh, the packet core, the 3GPP spec itself has taken a big leap in terms of making, defining it in a more cloud-native manner. Yes. So it's service-based architecture. You yes. know, that's how you build applications in the cloud is yeah. using microservices. The interfaces between the components are modern interfaces. Uh, you know, telcos traditionally had very niche, proprietary the industry interfaces yes. like Radius and Dimeter. I don't know, yeah. uh, folks might know of or not know of these names, but these are used only in the telco industry. But if you look at general applications, it's HTTP, you know. Absolutely, uh, yeah, and, yeah, yeah. And yeah. Every, you can design any software with HTTP. Why, why have this unique, specific protocol that's only used by a certain industry, right? So 5, 3GPP has done that. They've used HTTP interfaces as an example in the yes. 5G architecture. Yeah. And then the vendors have taken the next step of implementation. So they're building these functions with... Uh, uh, in a microservices, uh, service-oriented architecture approach. They've moved from classic software model to, to virtual machines to now containers. So all of that has helped the cloud to uh, kind of, you know, be the kind of a natural platform for running these. So that is very critical. Uh, you know, that's what 5G has done. So Yeah. And, and one thing that has really come out of this particular event, and I've heard it echoed by... Uh, Sampath from Verizon, uh, Chris Sambar at AT&T, Neville Ray, T-Mobile, a recent event I was at, is there's a stronger propensity, a stronger uh, need, and uh, a stronger desire for more collaboration across tech partners. Yeah. Uh, even competitors are starting to collaborate in, yeah. in many aspects. Are you seeing that from, from AWS perspective? Yeah, absolutely. I think... Uh it's always been the case with technology. I think uh, you, you do need different pieces to build things. And I think as we build more and more 
of the stack. Or what I mean by stack is just basic hardware to the internet to services on top and you know new players emerging all the time. It just becomes more and more complex, and uh, there's no one player that can do everything, right? Exactly. So you have to have a combination of expertise and uh, people who have strengths in their own space to kind of you know put together some of these mm -hmm. complex systems that we are designing, you know, yeah. as we go yeah. uh, ahead. I still remember as a as a child, being interested in technology, I could design a full little computer on my own, you know, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> building things. It's like yeah, yeah. the software and the bits and the firmware and everything, right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, but uh, that was, uh, you know, a few decades ago. And uh, now you just can't have one uh, kind of domain, not, not even a company, one one space, mm -hmm. you know, just, just building a, you know, complex system. Yeah. Now, and, and going into how the journey to the cloud, the race to 5G, is now starting to manifest itself am amongst the service providers. You know, like you said, the cloudification of the networks, the next industrial revolution, all these terms that are throwing, that they've been throwing, we've been talking about for years and speculating about, it's here right now, it's mm -hmm. happening, right? Yeah. And, and it's amazing some of the things I've seen this week where the 5G use cases have gone from fixed wireless access and connectivity to real the stuff we used to dream about, the stuff we used to prophesize about. Yeah. What is it that excites you about any of those new 5G-driven use cases and how they'll impact society? Yeah, so uh, one of the things is I wanted to just uh, dwell a little bit on what you said about use cases and things like that, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. uh, the way we've been talking about technology, the way most people talk about the technology, even in this show, is you see uh, different perspectives on how you see evolution of these networks. One is, oh, it's 1G, 2G, 3G, 4G, you know, it's like a next generation. Mm. The other one is through devices. We had, uh, you know, kind of uh, rotary phones, then yeah. we had uh, yeah. these massive brick-like <laughs> mobile phones to yeah, yeah. smartphones to now IoT devices and so forth, right? Yeah. The way I like to look at it is from the killer app perspective. What right. was the killer app for the network, right? So if you look at the first generations, it was connectivity. It was connecting people, it was connecting devices, it was connecting computers and so forth, 1G, 2G. 3G, 4G was about data. It was about moving massive amounts of data because the killer app was uh, things like Instagram and TikTok and YouTube and you know mm. some of these very video intensive applications. So you were, yeah. the network's killer app was how do you move data between servers, between people, gaming, things like that. Yeah. With 5G and beyond, I see the killer app as applications. So it's network as an application. How do you right. offer the network itself as an application? So the use case, what the network is being used for, it, it, there's a variance of these things and you can design the network to fit that use case. And that's the way I look, like to look at it because that is what is really changing the paradigm. So that yeah. opens up a whole new world of how do you build networks, how do you offer networks? And, and that's where things like virtualization or using the cloud to really dynamically change the configuration of the network or a new service that you want to offer or create a slice of the network that is meant for a very specific uh, use case or application yeah. uh, can be created. So yeah. to me, that's really the exciting part of 5G, you know, yeah. uh, with, with cloud. Uh, it's not, uh, I mean, it is uh, cost of ownership and operations and automation, which is uh, the basic value of the cloud. But really the beauty of this is what it will enable in terms of how you use the network and what use cases it can, un yeah. you know, kind of uh, open up. No, I think that's a, that's a wonderful way of, of looking at it. And just so, you know, so basically it's, I want to buy as an application, a network that's going to help me do 
industrial automation. Ab so it needs these inherent features and functionalities yeah. or parameters to make that as effective as it is for that particular uh, application. Right? Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. And that's all under the hood. It happens, yeah, yeah. but it's it's using the cloud and using some of these technologies makes that happen. But that's essentially the vision yeah. is that you really want the network for a specific application and you know the magic all happens without yeah. the developer yeah. or the user having to worry about yeah. it. And this is an example I had this week. A farmer who wants to track his cattle that is distributed over hundreds and hundreds of miles, he will then want a, a network application to support the application to track those exactly. cows. Yeah, yeah. And then again, that's going to look very different to a private enterprise network that does autonomous vehicles in a mine, for yeah. example, yeah. which is Precisely. another one we've talked about. Yeah. That's a really, really yeah. great way. And you want to look at it from the perspective of the application, right? That's why I talk about the killer app is because that's what will determine what you want underneath. And the user user doesn't want to really worry about the detail. They, you know, the farmer doesn't care if it's CBRS or you know, exactly or, or, yeah. or thirty yeah. three yeah. thousand five hundred megahertz spectrum. Yeah. Or, you know, it doesn't matter. <laughs> so. I haven't met a farmer yet that would, would probably want that. There may be one out there. Yeah. In the past, in the olden days, we would very much, and I've been in marketing for many years in, in, in different tech companies, we would fo focus on functions, features, speeds, components, but now a, a lot of the, the, the marketing or the messaging is on outcomes. So yeah. we, we focus mm -hmm. on those outcomes mm -hmm. and people are very comfortable in talking about the outcomes of, of that technology set. But I think as well, what's, what's interesting in here is the focus on those outcomes are not just outcomes that save dollars and cents or make somebody some more money, what's good for society here? Mm -hmm. How are we propelling yeah. society forward or solving issues that are facing humanity? Is that something you're picking up as well? Absolutely, uh, yeah. yeah. Clearly, sustainability, as you can see, is a, is a big topic. Uh, we believe that is the biggest problem we need to solve for the future generations. Um, and you know, the cloud, again, plays a big role there in, in sustainability. Mm -hmm. But uh, personally, I, I've, being a technologist, I, I have had a very, very strong uh, propensity, inclination to really uh, see what it could do for social good. Um, just a personal story is I spent mm -hmm. a few years in India. Uh, that's where I grew up. I spent most of all my professional career in the US. Uh, but I grew up in India. And uh, when I was part of Cisco building these networks, I spent a few years in India. I went back there. Uh, and that was primarily driven by the fact that I saw a lot of innovation in the Valley. I've been a part of a lot of the innovation. Yeah, yeah. A lot of it has, go has gone into just improving productivity of uh, already kind of, you know, enriched society. Yes. I really wanted to understand what mobile technology could do for emerging markets like India and Africa, and at that time, China. And what I learned was the power of mobile technology to really uplift the underserved parts of the uh, economic strata. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and if you see what that has done in places like Africa, India, uh, it's completely changed the economics uh, of that place. There are hawkers, you know, these folks who have, you know, just a 
you know, small pile of vegetables they're selling mm -hmm. or rickshaw drivers or fishermen yeah. who now are, are directly connected to customers because they have these mobile devices, yeah, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. And they have leapfrogged because there is no fiber infrastructure or networks, internet connectivity at mm -hmm. home. Yes, yeah, uh, yeah. So my, my favorite story is about this uh, a young kid in India from a village right. uh, who became the under uh, juniors golf world champion. He's from a little village right. and he learned golf uh, watching YouTube videos on his mobile uh, phone. Uh, right. <laughs> uh, uh, he would be on a farm. He would he'd start hitting the ball. Uh, yeah. Uh, but and, and one of one one golfer noticed him and then you know got him trained and everything. But yeah, uh, this is what mobile technology can do. Yeah. Uh, and this is just one personal example. But I was very curious to see how that could change society. So coming back to uh, what we're doing with 5G and some mm. of this, I think there's tremendous potential to really. Uh, unlock uh, some of the challenges we've had in terms of digital divide, remote schooling, bringing uh, some of these uh, information schooling and uh, some of the opportunities to inner cities, rural areas, and underserved uh, communities. Yeah, so yeah. I think uh, there's tremendous potential there. No, well. it's 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 an amazing it is an amazing message. And I love your story there, Ishwar. It's great. As a keen golfer, yeah. <laughs> I need to I need to be looking yeah. at YouTube more. It sounds like. Um, so look, if we get together again in 12 months' time, and we sit down and have this conversation, what's your prediction? Because, like I said, a lot has happened from when we were in Los Angeles 12 months ago to where we are now. I'm just interested to do a bit of. Look at the tea leaves. Look into the future a little bit. What do you What do you think? And we talked about things are moving fast, and, and cloud yeah, adoption yeah. and cloudification mm -hmm. will move fast. What else do you think would be on top of that that we should be cognizant? Yeah, of? so there's a few things. One is I think uh, 5G will be a reality. I mean, it's still it's happening, but I'll see 5G, you know, just just there, like just like we have been talking about 4G for the last few years, right? Yeah. The other thing is I think private networks will really gain adoption. You know, we are again at, I think, uh, inflection point in the curve where there's been proof of concepts, there's been some business justification, but I think in the next year is when you will kind of, you know, see, you know, a whole scaling of, of that. And the third one is around sustainability. I think uh, that is definitely going to be at the forefront. It's already getting there, but I think all companies in the you know in this space will uh, definitely pivot towards having very intentional programs and mm -hmm. uh, efforts to make sure that they are building and developing things in a sustainable mm -hmm. manner okay yeah, yeah. great so. so look we're almost out of time and and the time has flown by i think we could keep talking all afternoon if we really wanted to but we're going to go to our tgi quick fire round now where our listeners get a chance to uh, learn a, a little bit more about you in a, a more light-hearted way are you ready yeah i'm ready okay let's do it tgi to go tgi to go question number one frank sinatra or dean martin frank sinatra did you did you see Frank Sinatra come over onto our booth the last couple of days? I saw quite a few. Stars. You may you may have heard yeah. him. <laughs> uh, next question: Vancouver or Miami? Uh, Miami. Yeah. You like I Miami? had to think. I had to think a little bit. Uh, yeah, maybe I'll switch that. I think it's Vancouver. Miami was came immediately, but on thinking, yeah, Vancouver. Okay. I visited a year ago and I had a fabulous time. Great food. Yeah. yeah, Vancouver. And you live in San Francisco, yeah, right? Yeah, I do. So it's, uh, which it's is got similarities city. a little yeah, bit. Yeah, yeah, a little water, bit. Water, I like water around, you know. So. Yeah, yeah, excellent. Chinese food or Italian food? I, mean, I always get these questions around lunchtime anyway. Lunchtime. <laughs> <laughs> I am a huge foodie. Oh, massive, yeah? Okay. Massive. It's, um, 
I, I love everything from Michelin star restaurants to street food to traditional home cooked grandmother's recipes. Right. So this is a very difficult one for me. Yes, I, 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 I just don't have. I, yeah. I'll eat anything and I'll try anything and I love. All cuisines. And have you had a chance to sample some of these great restaurants in Las yeah, Vegas? Yeah, it's 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 transformed really in the last few years with some of the top chefs. See, they even have shows, you know, the top chef and things like that. Right? Yeah, yeah. So yeah, I've I've I have sampled quite a few of the restaurants here. I would love to get into a see one of the chef shows here. Yeah, uh, which yeah, I've not yeah, done so yeah. far. That would be cool. Japan or Italy? Ooh, it's another one. I love traveling. I would pick Japan. Mm -hmm. I love the. Aesthetic uh, Japanese minimalism is one of uh, the things that has attracted me. I started my career at Apple, where I uh, learned about minimalism. How do you design products? How do you say no uh, to yeah. features? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah <laughs> so that's yeah. one of the things that appealed to me about classic Japanese culture, about minimalism, and yeah. uh, you know, a whole bunch of things. And, yeah, oh, excellent. And the final one, which is, I've had some very strange answers to this one this week. But singing or dancing? Dancing. Okay. I think singing is part of dancing. You're singing in your head, kind mm -hmm. of thing. So I think it, it somehow yeah. encompasses both. But dancing, it to me, really kind of you know, yeah, gets me in. in yeah. Yeah. Well, it, it was really interesting because I did a conversation uh, with um, Kyan Krippendorf, the author, and I asked him the same question in, as part of the TGA to go, and he said, "Dancing." Yeah. He said, "Dancing," as you get older as you go through your 30s and 40s and, and beyond is the key way to keep your mental acuity okay i did not know that but i can see that very well absolutely yeah, yeah. yeah. and i didn't yeah. know that and i've been dancing every evening very much <laughs> to my wife's disgust and that's what's been happening so look we're, we've we've finished uh the episode uh now Ishwa, but have you got any final comments that you would like to leave for our listeners before we end the show no, I think it's great to be here at uh, you know at this event, and um, some of the things we talked about are uh, super important. I'm I'm so pleased to see people talking about it. How do we use technology for social good? You know, I think uh, we need more of this uh, conversation, and yeah. uh, it's been really good to see that that the pandemic has I think made us reassess some of these things, some of these priorities, not just work life, but what is important really, what does what really matters. And as technologists, uh, as people who work in this space, we have an obligation, but the pandemic has brought it to the forefront. So I'm glad to see some of the benefits of going through something like that coming through. Okay, excellent, perfect, perfect ending comments. And I'm honored to have you on The Great Indoors, uh, Ishwa, and hopefully we'll see you again very soon. Yeah, it's absolutely been a pleasure. I really enjoyed uh, talking to you. Well, that was just another fantastic conversation from MWC Las Vegas 2022. Stay tuned for more and also check out amdocs.com forward slash the great indoors for more information, back episodes and videos associated with TGI. In fact, there is a great video that's there right now uh, that depicts some of the fun we had at the show. I'm Matthew Roberts in Las Vegas for Amdocs. See you next time, wherever you are.